Fed Talks is a podcast for theater teachers and theater education students. I am Dr. Jimmy Christman, theater education professor at Illinois State University. Each week, I want to bring you stories and interviews from experienced K-12 theater teachers, current theater education majors, and professors of theater education that will warm your heart, renew your faith in teaching, and provide resources to better your practice in your theater classroom. I am thrilled to have on the podcast for this episode, Chris Heckman. She is a theater teacher in Burlington, Illinois at the Burlington Central High School. Um, I am excited to, to chat with her because she has 10 years of higher ed experience and then she went into the high school classroom. Um, and that's not the typical route that people take. They usually work their way up to, to, to higher ed. So I'm excited to hear about that journey. But Chris, welcome to the podcast. And Thank you. Tell us a little bit about you and uh, kind of your journey to where we are right now in your the, career. The journey, right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's I'm like, I, I'm just so excited to talk about theater and education and I'm really psyched. So thank you so much for having me. Um, as for me. Okay. So my story, um, well, uh, I'm Chris Heckman, and I am currently the theater teacher at Central High School in Burlington, just like you said. Burlington is located, because there may be a couple of Burlingtons in Illinois. It sounds like the kind of uh, <laughs> like city that there would be a couple of them. Um, but uh, we're just outside of Elgin, Illinois. So we're in um, the kind of the, the edge of the Chicago suburbs. I really, I mean, we are we are at the edge of suburbia. So that is going to be my album title, Edge of Suburbia. <laughs> but we're like right there. So yeah, because we're we're kind of right after that, it, it's a lot of farm is in our district. We have a lot of farmland. Um, and we're pretty close to NIU, Northern Illinois University. So we're about 20 minutes from there. So uh, that's where we're situated. Um, and so my journey, my journey, well, I originally started out as a professional actor. I got my BFA in, um, acting performance at Northern Illinois University in DeKalb. And, um, then I, uh, I went through their BFA program there, which I loved. Um, it's interesting looking back on it. I have, uh, from, <laughs> from my, from my, uh, many years of, of life. Um, I have a different perspective on it now, obviously, you know, but, uh, you know, cause th things change, but I had a great time there. It was a wonderful experience. And then I went into the city, I went into Chicago and I started a professional acting career. Um, and I was there for several years before I decided I wanted to go back to school. And I went to, uh, Penn state and I did an MFA there in performance. And then I came back to Chicago and it is a more professional acting for several more years. And at that time I started to get involved in, um, well, like as, as another part of uh, feeding myself and paying for what, you know, just cost of living. I did a lot of children's theater. I did a lot of children's touring theater. I did a lot of, you know, going into the schools, doing workshops, things like that. Uh, curriculum based theater instruction type of things. Um, I was also associated with a couple of other programs as well that went into schools, things like that. And then I um, then I also got involved in, I, I went into teaching higher ed. Um, so I was hired as adjunct um, at Dominican University and I directed shows there and I, um, I taught uh, a variety of theater classes there. And it was interesting because I was seeing 
my, like my journey is I was seeing, I was wondering how, what the experience was in K-12 that um, I was starting to see the, the kind of undergraduate that would, you know, appear in our department and what their background was and what their education and, and what the expectations were. And I was, you know, I was really curious about that, you know, because we're always talking about career and college ready, or if you're in higher ed, you're always talking about, you know, career ready and um, those kinds of things. And so I was, you know, obviously I was away from being in the classroom myself as a student um, for a number of years at that point. So I really was interested in what they were starting, you know, how the world around them was changing, how education was changing, how the philosophies around and approaches to education were really changing. And this was in, you know, like the early, well, we're still in the early 2000s, but this was like uh, maybe before 2010 when I think all of the um, social media and all of the digital world that we have was complete, it was, it was just exploding. Mm. Um, and it is now something that, I mean, it just created a whole new world. So I was curious about that because um, mm. I was just seeing uh, changes in the way language was used. I'm not talking about like swearing or anything like that. I'm talking about just linguistically changes that were happening about how people were communicating with each other. Um, and that, um, that digital element was really interesting to me. And I kind of sensed that there was, you know, something on the horizon. Like I felt like, okay, this is going to be a huge change, um, in the way we deal with each other, not just sending word documents or email, but the way we, we interact socially with each other. And I started thinking about that and I was like, you know, I thought maybe I can make more of a difference, at least for me, um, in, uh, in high school. Um, and I, and I have all of this experience and I think it would be a unique perspective that I would bring to a high school environment. Um, so I, I really, I wanted to make that change. And the other thing that it kind of coincided with was it was around that time that I ha uh, we had our twins and my husband and I, he's also a former full-time professional theater artist. And we kind of looked at each other and we loved doing theater, you know, like it had been our life. Um, but we kind of looked at each other and we, we looked at the kids and we wanted to make sure that we were doing something that every day we could say, am I, am I really like going out into the world and trying to make the world a better place? Um, and and so we did a little bit of soul searching. That was that was sort of our midlife crisis. It was mostly just having kids crisis. <laughs> um, and and so I really that's that's what brought me into high school as opposed to going you know that more typical route of uh, maybe K twelve to higher ed. Mm -hmm. um, and I, so I've been at Burlington. Um, I, well, I left Dominican after three years. I was also teaching up at College of Lake County, so I was teaching a humanities course up there. Um, so I wasn't teaching theater up there, but, um, but then I, uh, I got to Burlington and, uh, since then uh, that was three years ago and I've been teaching theater since then. So that's my story. That's, that's a, a fun journey. Um, so what, what I'm going to go back to some things that you, t you talked about, um, yeah. throughout your, your, your journey there, when you talked about your professional work, um, and, and, and doing children's theater, in schools and, and, and basically as a teaching artist. Um, yeah. What, um, 
what were the things that you were you were noticing early on with that about about students that you were interacting with that that maybe kind of planted those seeds early for you yeah because i will tell you i came to teaching very reticently and and i don't mean like now i mean like and i'll get to that in a minute but i'll answer your question first so uh, when I was doing touring children's theater, when I was doing those kind of residency type things, um, I was noticing how hungry the kids were for just getting up out of their seats and learning. You know, I mean, it's education 101, right? We learn uh, uh, like uh, knowledge is socially constructed. Learning is, a, you know, socially constructed. And it really is this idea that so much of what, and I love education and I love learning, but so much we have to be really cognizant because we've, our traditional learning models have kind of taken that kinesthetic element out of learning in so many ways. Sometimes it's out of necessity, like space, like, you know, the, the, the students that you're, you're trying to interact with and trying to meet their needs. But I was noticing that they were just so enthralled when they could get up and do something and that was really wild to me and I would walk into a classroom and it would be it would be no big deal because here's the thing every time I would walk into a classroom this would always happen now yes I am high energy and people to still tell me oh wow I, I get this I get this on a daily basis Mrs. Heckman you are so energetic like, <laughs> yes I'm sorry that it's 8 30 but I'll tell you what if I wasn't this energetic, I'd be falling asleep. But anyway, so <laughs> the teachers would say, oh, my gosh, you're so energetic. How do you do it? And I said, I would look at them and like, I'm here for 45 minutes. You're here seven, eight hours a day, five days a week. You are in the trenches. And yeah, I was a, a breath of fresh air because I was literally fresh. You know, sometimes running that marathon that we run as teachers every single day is we forget it's a marathon and we, we try or we feel pressured to do it as a sprint. But what I was seeing is I, I really did want to, I felt like I could help to be a part of that change that maybe could inject a little bit of a different perspective, um, a different way of learning, like bringing this more holistic way of, of learning back. And I feel like theater is a really, it's a natural fit because it is, it's a social experience all the time. And so what I was seeing in the kids were, was that hunger, but also as it got, um, as I was still doing it in the early 2000s, um, maybe around like the time social media started, you know, coming about and like all screens and all that other stuff. But I started noticing that um, students were having harder and harder times talking to each other mm -hmm. or just communicating or expressing themselves. And I mean, I know that that is all of us go through those phases of having difficulty expressing themselves but i was noticing this more and more and i really wanted I, I really think theater is such an important social tool um for that and so i think that education and theater dovetail really nicely so that's really what i was seeing like i wanted the kids to just start to talk and play with each other a little bit that sounds really simplistic but 
No, it, it makes total sense though. Um, I'm I'm curious if you had, uh, if if you've noticed um, in your in your time at your at the high school that you're at, um, and I know a a good bit chunk of that time has been online or or virtual environments with your students. Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. when you when you were there with them um, in non-COVID times, were you noticing um, learning to let learning to play was a challenge for them? Yes. I mean, okay. Or or think that they didn't have permission to do it. Right. There is always a little bit of reticence. I mean, like, I, you know, <laughs> I think about back in, in my own graduate studio classes, you know, we'd there would always be that element of fear of doing something very new. And of course, you know, because it's the humiliation, it's the fear of humiliation or the fear of failure, right? But I really, um, I have observed in class, um, it's, it's especially with the phones, they're, because they're so pervasive. Um, and I feel like COVID has really, um, because they necessarily have to be in their screens, that I feel like we're doing, it, it's so hard because I'm not trying to criticize it, but because the only way that we have to reach some of our, our students is through the screen, right? That's, is through technology. On the same token, I feel like more and more the technology has alienated us from each other um, in a couple of different re- ways. It's, it isolates us and we are, um, we also have the certain anonymity that especially, maybe not with video stuff, but maybe online where people are just, they feel freer to be crueler. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't, they're not communicating or thinking about the effect of what's what's going on. So I think that that's part of it. And I, I just see so much more, we're seeing so much more depression, right? And so much more anxiety, especially in COVID land. Um, and yes, I think it is because of, obviously we have a, a freaking pandemic going on and there are so many things happening in families. Um, emotional, socioeconomic things happening, people losing jobs, people losing family members, mm-hmm. right? And there's so much going on. And on top of all that, we don't even have access to just being humans with each other anymore. Um, and I also think it's a way, it's an easy, comfortable way to hide from mm-hmm. other people and then in turn hiding from ourselves, like looking down into that screen. And it just breaks my heart because sometimes I've walked into classrooms and I do miss, you know, I miss, <laughs> I miss walking or having kids come into my classroom and them just being right. Um, so many times I start the class and it's dead silent. And then I look up and I realize they haven't put their phones away yet. Hmm. and now that's part of classroom management i fully take responsibility for some of that but that is what i my my point to that is seeing that seeing them go to that right away they go to that first as opposed to going to a friend first or the person who's sitting next to them or whatever it is mm-hmm. um So that is one of the things that I've been observing that I really, COVID or no COVID, I'm going to make them get up and do something. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that's what, I mean, that's what makes what we do so 
different and fun and exciting and terrifying all at the same time for them. Um, yeah. You know, I, I noticed over those that last probably five, six years of when I was in the classroom still that anytime I would do like an eye contact exercise or um, just sit and, and, and be yeah. with someone like the giggles and, you know, you, you can have giggles and in intro classes no matter what, but even yeah. my upper levels were struggling with that. So mm-hmm. I just, I think it's interesting that, that, you know, the, the points that you brought up with, you know, technology and, and where we are. And I'm, I'm just curious to see what it's going to look like when, when we finally do get back full face to face and right. And I don't think I look, okay, maybe I am a Luddite, but I really do feel like I think that the technology is awesome as a tool, but it feels like in a lot of ways that education is embracing technology as the education, as the learning and it should be a tool and an extension, but, and it can also help us, you know, speed things up once we know how to do the thing, you know, it can give us some more tools. Um, but I, I, I feel like those foundational, those, you know, people call them those soft skills, mm-hmm. those soft skills. And I hate that in a way because that those are the skills they get poo-pooed a little bit because they're not math or science um or you know the academics you can't quantify it with a number right 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 but those are the things that enable you to be able to learn and communicate that those you know the academics if you will okay and those are the things that that Uh, make us well-rounded human beings like because why are we doing the rest of this if not for you know to improve something for humanity or to make things better or to be innovative like what are we doing well we do it for all of us so yeah I mean I think that those soft skills I I know I use the the term too because I I'm not sure exactly what what I should be using yet but (laughs) They're not, they're so, they're treated as so secondary. And now we're reaping the benefit, and I say that sarcastically, we're reaping the consequences of that. Because now, because I see it at my own school, like how um, how stressed to the limit our student services are, like our counselors and our mental health professionals that are there. Because so many of our students, and I'm not just saying at my school, but, you know, collectively, they are struggling because they don't have these soft skills that we say are so soft, but they're absolutely necessary to learn, to help, to, to put them in a healthy place to learn the academics. I literally just had that conversation yesterday with my undergrads. Um, we're we're, we're talking about technologies and what theater, what are, what are some of those tools out there that theater teachers can use? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I made the point to drive home to them that, you know, you are not replaceable and you as the teacher are the greatest impact on those kids. And, no technology should be attempting to do or doing your job for you. 
um, that th these technologies are to enhance what you're already doing or to give an, a variety of something else to, to do with what you're already doing. So if it's not supporting what you're doing, then you need to not use it. Right. Well, and I feel like this is what I've been trying to focus on. Yes, there are certain delivery systems because really it's a delivery system right mm -hmm. here. This is the terminology that I, I'm trying to, to, to grasp. To me, the technology is a is just a delivery system um, because and I've been trying to look at it as a theater artist and as a teacher, I've been trying to look at it. OK, how can I use this technology in an innovative way that, like you were saying, that supports what I'm trying to do? I'll share a moment uh, that I had with uh, in my class the other day, actually. So one, I, I was geeking out because I, I love, I love teaching the Greeks. Um, and, uh, and, and so I had decided this, this, uh, this semester in my theater two class that we were going to do a uh, choral, uh, like the Greek chorus. I wanted to do something choral. So we did this little project where they, um, they wrote a myth to a brand new myth to describe something out in nature because you know that's essentially what myths are so i was trying to teach them you know what is the function of a myth and then how the greeks use that and so um they did a um a choral performance the groups did a choral performance and this time around i was trying to make it easier for everybody so i had enough students in my in-person uh, oh we were still hybrid so i did my a-day folks were one team I did my B day folks were another team and then I teamed together all my virtual folks. And then I showed the, the students like um, I showed them different types of Greek choral um, performances. And then I showed my uh, my virtual folks. I showed them what some other students had been doing uh, with a Greek choral virtual performance. OK so that they have an image in their head and then they had some parameters like i made them they had to do you know they had to at least do one movement together um you know all of the stuff that we like to put in our rubrics and things like that okay so they had to do something uh, they had to repeat words one after another they had to do you know all sorts of things okay fine so they had rehearsed for i let them rehearse for a couple of days we added different elements like making a uh, rhythm with your body, that kind of stuff. Okay, so it gets to the performances and one of my students in, I think it was my A or my B day, but it was one of my live groups. Um, she could not be there for whatever reason. I don't know what it was. And so she, um, she knew, well, because it's our policy, you can't, you're still absent if you're supposed to be in person and you, you, come into the meet you know like the the virtual meet but anyway she's like I'm so sorry Mrs. Heckman I, I just couldn't be there whatever and I was like hey it's all right it's live theater we gotta make the best of this right so this turned out to be a cool accident now in my theater we have and many theaters may have this but we have a, and the theater is my classroom so we have a uh uh, what do you call it? A, like a screen that comes down, you know, for like videos, projections, that kind of thing. And so I have throughout the semester or throughout the year, I've been projecting my virtual learners onto there anyway, so that they can kind of the in-person people can see that. So anyway, what happened was the choral group, they did their 
performance in front of the screen and the screen was above them. And what was so cool, and this was a happy accident, live theater. I said, do the best you can. I'm going to pin you so that you're taking up the whole screen. And what was so cool is they did these movements and especially like the more menacing movements. It's like she looked like she was hovering over them, about to devour them. And then what we had was we had a fantastic discussion afterwards about playing with the form. First of all, yeah, live theater, you kind of got to go with whatever happens. Um, but like trying to be inclusive and trying to include her uh, led to a really happy accident of this, like this screen moment, the screen actor interacting with these live actors and it being a really dramatic and effective visual moment. That is the kind of moment that I was like, first of all, I was like so happy for them. And it was so cool for me, like just as an artist, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Um, and for me, that was a point when the technology really dovetailed with what we were doing. And did was it purposeful? Well, not exactly. Like I said, it was a little like a penicillin moment, but... But we learned from that, and that was fantastic. Um, now, for that moment, I have about 20 moments that didn't work, <laughs> right? Um, but that's a real example of I learned something, my students learned something, and I know that like that kind of experience, we're going to move forward from that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just wanted to share that because that was, and that is an experience where I feel like it's being used as a tool as opposed to it being the, the, the thing, you know, um, yeah. and it was about them and not about the technology. Yeah. Well, and, and that just like goes right along with if as directors, I mean, we think we have in mind what we want, but then a happy accident happens in rehearsal. It's like, oh, that was way better than I ever thought it could have been. <laughs> so we're going to keep right. that. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you for thinking that was my idea. But that that was absolutely awesome. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, you know, I ha I feel I have mixed feelings about technology. I do hate when I have to use technology just because we got the technology because yep. like you said if it's getting in your way if it's not serving you and i mean maybe it serves like it but but because theater is so unique and i have had quite a few people say my gosh you must be having a really tough time and there are days yeah i'm having a really really tough time and I mean, I think any teacher out there, if they're honest with themselves, no matter what their discipline, they're having a tough time. Mm -hmm. But I do think for the performing arts, especially, it's been um, it's been a really it's been really challenging. I think I shared on an episode a couple of weeks ago that like I I'm just at the point I can't watch another Zoom production. <laughs> like I just I, I, I physically can't do it like. And, no, and my our theater department is producing some brilliant work. Right. I just can't because I've I've hit that wall, and I'm like mm -hmm. I, I I can't anymore. Um, and yeah. I, I I know you teachers because literally, like you just said, you're you're double planning work. Like it's yeah, it's hard. And what it's, we're doing is and it's hard. It's frustrating. 
I'll give you an example. Um, uh, this was, gosh, this was early in the year. And I did a really, like, I thought I was, I thought I was being so clever. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to get them in their bodies. I'm going to, for my virtual learners, what's going to happen is I'm going to, I'm going to assign them to a, um, an in-person learner. We're going to do a, um, like a, uh, it was going to be like a relay race almost. Okay. And there was some kind of relay race. And basically it was in my tech theater class. So I, uh, they had to pick up pieces of paper and they had to find the type of, of tool it was, you know, like, you know, you have wrecking tools and you have cutting tools and things like that. Right. Okay. So yeah, this would have taken two minutes in a normal environment. It took 15 minutes. I mean, because I had them, I had the, the in-person learners, I had them, if people can imagine this, I had them with their Chromebooks facing outward so that, and they were all in uh, different breakout rooms. <laughs> so they could, they could see, um, they could see through the camera what the tool was and they could help their partner. Yeah, it took 15 minutes. I wanted to pull my hair out at that point. Um, but I was like, okay, it's a learning experience and all that other stuff. But yeah, I had, I'd really, really thought about the planning of that, but the implementation was like, it wasn't a disaster. It just took four freaking ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's so frustrating because, and I have been talking to some of my colleagues, trying to push through material is so difficult for two reasons. One, because of what we just talked about. Okay, so we're trying to plan, not only are we planning for two different modalities, but we're now differentiating in those modalities. So we have to differentiate for our IEP, you know, the, the, the different learners, um, if they have different accommodations. Okay, well, how do we accommodate that in a virtual environment? How do we accommodate it in, you know, an in-person COVID environment? So now we're doing all of these things. So, you know, that's that's the first way that that is just like, it, that's taking forever. And then secondly, it goes to something that um, you said just briefly um, before I think we started was the students, they're not in a mental place. So like trying to push through material, I, I don't, I, are they learning that? I mean, they're so... And I'm not trying to use this in a flip way. They're kind of traumatized. Oh, absolutely. They're, you know, and it's this, you know what it is, is it's this prolonged trauma. It's this prolonged, drawn out trauma. And sometimes they just get to the point where they're like, I'm so, I can't do anymore. And so I've been really trying to listen to that. And I've been really trying to make sure that they have lots of time in class to do things and, um, but again, uh, so you have those two things. So to try to get through material, I'm like, I have to reframe it. What am I, what is this experience? What does it need to be for them? Mm -hmm. Because then we go back to those soft skills we learned about, right? They're not in a mental place to be able to absorb anything. Mm -hmm. So if I can just get them up, even if they're not in a mental space, I feel like if I can get them up and kinesthetically do something, then at least their body is moving and they're, um, they're present. They're at least physically present, which sometimes will allow their minds, you know, their psyche to open up a little bit, but they are just, 
they're they're so it's so difficult for them. I want to shift gears a little bit um, and yeah. and go back to um, talking a little bit more about um, your your professional work. Um, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, um, you you did a lot of like new works, yes. um, and experimental type works, and and mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to hear how your work in that has transferred over into what you're doing with your students. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, that it really was my passion. Um, I was, um, I was an ensemble member at stage left theater in Chicago and they are known, they're still around. They're known for doing, um, uh, socially and politically. Um, they, they really want to raise, I, okay. If I remember it's raised the debate on social and political issues. So it's not so much that it's didactic, but it really is. We really did look for plays, new plays that were presenting social, or political questions in some way, shape or form. Um, and then also I did work. I was, um, I was an associate artist at, um, I think I was, I think that's what they call it. Associate artist at Chicago dramatists for a while, which is, uh, I mean, like stage left and Chicago dramatists, we kind of did a lot of cross pollination with our, with our actors and stuff like that. So I did a lot of stuff there and I loved working with playwrights. Um, and also working with audiences, having that feedback afterwards. So that way of working with plays and also originating roles, like not having any, oh, well, so-and-so did this role or, oh my gosh, it's Hamlet, you know, or something like that. But um, really being able to be in the room with a playwright and say, you know, I, I'm making, you know, I, I'd make a choice or something. And then they'd be like, oh my gosh, that's great. Do it that way. You know, um, and being alongside them or something I would do would cause them to do some rewrites or, you know, whatever it was. That like symbiotic kind of relationship was so cool. And I think in some ways it's so much like teaching. Um, And how does that inform my teaching? Well, um, it really is important to me. Like, I, you know, I talk to my students all the time, you know, and it's the old, you know, try to, you know, you, you, you got to get to know who your students are, but um, also when they're up there, um, when they are, um, when they're working, you know, it's just the dialogue that happens between us. It's like, well, oh, do you want to do that? What do you think? You know, so there's a lot of questioning back and forth. Also, um, I've started to add into my own curriculum um, things like theater of the oppressed. So the Boal stuff, um, we're actually doing that right now, which the, the, the students are really, really loving. Like they're, they're loving the idea of being able to do like the forum theater stuff where they're, you know, doing a scene about a social issue that they've, that they've raised in a little short scene. And then almost like a tag out be like, okay, well, what's the, what's another ending to this, to this problem? What's another solution? How could they have done it another way? And having, they are so psyched about that. They just are loving it. And, and I, I guess I just love seeing that involvement, like, because I mean, and, and because I'm doing the unit now. So the whole idea that Boal is, you know, play is the rehearsal, you know, for social action. And so, them coming up on stage and saying this issue is important to me and oh well I don't have the answer but somebody else is hopping up here with a possible solution or we're going to talk about it empowers them 
And it really does become like, oh my gosh, I can not only can I be on stage and talk and, and deal with this, but now, wait, I have agency and I can go out and talk about this very thing. Um, and so in the conversations we've been having over the last week about, okay, let's talk a little bit about oppression. When have you experienced oppression? Those kinds of things. And some of the stories that come out of students, um, you know, and I, and I always tell them, you know, you, you don't have to tell us all of the details, tell us what you feel safe sharing, but some of the stuff that they share with each other and then the, the look of recognition on each other's faces, or I had no idea about that, about you. And that is just, so how that kind of, uh, my professional work fills that, I mean, that's the kind of work that I love to do. Um, I'm hoping, cause we don't have, um, we used to have a drama club. Um, in addition to our two main stage performances, we used to have a drama club. I'm really hoping that we can get that um, started back up because I have quite a few students who are interested in the writing aspect, the more improv aspect of things, and are interested in these kinds of other forms that really don't lend themselves necessarily to a main stage or what mo most performing arts departments have in their head of main stages. And I really want to have this kind of alternate alternative, not alternate, alternative outlet for those students, because I really think that, um, I mean, well, me personally, I mean, that's just, that's, that's my jam. <laughs> it just is. So, um, and, and, and watching these teens, they are really into it as well. And they're really talented. I, I think back to my, my students, and I mean, even the ones I have now, they are so, they're so much more uh, politically and socially minded, um, mm -hmm. I think, than I ever was at that age. And, oh, I had no clue. Yeah, and and <laughs> there, my my students have always been so excited whenever we did any of Boal's work, and and my my college students, I teach a theater for social change class, and we we a, a ton of our work in there is Boal based, and and just the experiences because they all they all want to change the world, they all want to you know they. They want to make it better, and it's it's just interesting when they when they create their works, the forum pieces, and 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 one of them has to play the oppressor, and you know, and I tell them, I said, you can't just play it that oh, I'm this bad person. No, the oppressor thinks they're helping. Exactly, and so we, the perspective yeah. that they get from that is 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 really fun to watch. Well, you know, it is so funny that you say that because uh, one of the one of the big things I remember at Penn State, we always used to joke around about this because um, one of the professors there um, left kind of this imprint. It was before my time. But then my professors, like uh, when I was studying with like Jane Ridley and um, my, oh gosh, uh, Richard Nichols was my other professor. And they they used to talk about that your character always comes from por las buenas, so for the good, right? And and that's how you must play an oppressor or an evil character um, or the villain. Um, I mean, unless it's a character, right? Like unless we're doing something totally, um, and we're joking around, but it always has to be for the good because an evil person never thinks they're being evil. Never. I mean, sometimes the por las buenas is for themselves right sometimes but they always think they're doing for the good for somebody 
it's always that way. And that's how you must approach it. Absolutely. I love that you said that because <laughs> that's so hard. It's so, it's so easy to be like, I'm the bad guy. And yes, and we get that at, at the high school level a lot because that's their, that's their reference point. But then it's about kind of digging down deeper, right? Mm -hmm. and, and trying to figure that out. Um, yeah, they are, oh my gosh, they are so politically minded. Um, and that's another thing that's really interesting in our classrooms is, especially in a theater classroom, trying to keep it safe for everybody emotionally, but also because politics has become so emotional that um and and your politics um really can oftentimes get to the root of who you are they can feel if somebody else's politics don't align with yours they can feel like they are criticizing your identity or your in some way even if there hasn't been any dialogue so in it's it's really um for me it's something that's that i want to pay more and more attention about just in terms of getting people to a table to talk about these issues. Um, and I think theater is a really great place to do that. Um, so I, I was talking to my students about this the other day and we were talking about Boal. I was like, you know, politics aside, we need to think about how we, this is a really great way for us to try to engage in whatever issue you're bringing up without it being a fight. Well, I know a lot of teachers are going to to be in um, in that uh, same boat, like you just mentioned a, a moment ago, of almost that rebuilding process when we oh. when we finally get back to some kind of normal. Um, so, and, and I know you you spent the last three years growing your program. Um, so, what are your um, I don't want to say fears, but what what are what are the challenges and and um, successes that you've had with that? Um, over the last three years? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there were some things that were un unexpected. Um, we've, you know, this department, our department has gone through, like, I have some awesome colleagues. Uh, I, like, I, I can't imagine working with, with better, more supportive people, especially in my department. They are just, I just love, I, I love them. Um, I, and we have held each other's hands through so many changes. Um, when I came on, um, it it was already a pretty steady program. Um, I think then what was happening is it was kind of being handed off to me, you know, because I was the theater person now and the the my colleagues who were doing the theater stuff they are um they were the music uh teachers so they moved into focusing more on the music program and so they kind of handed what they had developed off to me and then i am i'm i started to build on it and then COVID hit <laughs> And then it really felt like I, I've felt in large part that this year has been like kind of an on hold kind of thing mm -hmm. um, in some ways. Uh, yeah, we've done some, you know, I just finished a virtual performance with my kids and, or my cast. And now we're going to do another one with the musical. Um, so it'll be interesting. I definitely... 
I think our, I, I have my eye on um, trying to build some of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to offer some more of the curriculum, but I also would like to do in terms of growing the program, quite honestly, I want to do more community outreach and get also just reaching back into the middle school and into the elementary schools and make that kind of mentorish connection between my high school uh, theater department and the departments or, you know, the theater activities that are in those levels. Um, so next year, next year, we're hoping we have some things in the works. I'm really hoping, like I said, that I can um, get the drama club going because I would love for them to have those additional opportunities. Um, and then I would also love to be able to participate in the Illinois High School Theater Festival in some way. I'd love to be able to bring them there for so many different reasons. It's such a great time. I know that the 2022 is going to be the all state production is going to be virtual, I think, I think. They still have not made a decision about that. They haven't made a decision. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, so it's up in the air. Mm-hmm. But um, but those are the two big goals that I have for next year. Um, and I mean, we're still in talks about it. You know, there are a lot of things around that and making sure that um, we have the just the, you know, whatever budget and all of those other things that we need in place, especially coming out of a year where we didn't produce you know, we didn't produce like we traditionally produce. So I would definitely say, I mean, COVID's been a little bit of a, it's been a little bit because students are, they want to participate in a certain way. And we just couldn't mm-hmm. in large part this year. You know, there was, the tech stuff was very different. You know, there wasn't, you know, a big build or anything like that. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to next year, at least if not, if I'm not doing like, a, I'm not going to plan like, you know, a cast of thousands kind of thing, but I definitely am looking forward to a more traditional way of getting back in the theater. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to integrate some of these other things, you know, like that new work stuff that you had mentioned, um, some of the student voices. I would love to amplify those. We do have um, a... Uh, uh my my colleague jim strike who is the he's the band director um and he was our tech director previously and he does like a uh coffee shop thing kind of like a coffee shop uh thing i think like once a month Mm -hmm. um so i'm hoping that i can maybe talk to him about introducing some of these student voices into that as well so so that's kind of where we're going for that at least those are our first steps as we grow that sounds very cool sounds very cool the life of an actor can be grueling life of any theater artist can be grueling and take its toll on us the life of a theater teacher is grueling and can take a toll on us and then you add a (laughs) pandemic on top of all that how do you take care of yourself bring it on oh my gosh oh my gosh okay you want i I have to be completely honest with you. Um, I thought I was being such a good girl. I went to the doctor. I did go to the doctor. Okay. So step one. (laughs) Um, But I went to the doctor last week, I think it was. And I was so proud. I said, Hey, 
you know, I'm trying to make these changes. I've, I've gained way too much weight and stuff like that. And I'm trying to make these changes, but I'm going to be very basic about it. I'm like, I'm going to get more sleep and I'm going to drink I'm gonna, uh, more water for a, a variety of reasons, you know, and I was so proud of myself. I'm like, you know what? I've been doing this for like the last five days. Yeah. It lasted about eight days because then I came off a of spring break. So, um, <laughs> So, uh, look, I am, um, I'm struggling with that. Uh, I, but I, but I am trying to go back to the basics. I need to get sleep. And if stuff doesn't get done, it, it, nobody is going to die from it. And I, and I need, but I'm such a perfectionist and that is, it's, it's, so it's hard. I think a lot of teachers are perfectionists in that way. And we're doing, um, a lot of multitasking now, but I would say that the other things that I do do for myself is, um, I have been doing, I know this sounds awful. This sounds awful. Instead of picking up my phone at night, see, I'm just as bad with my my screens, instead of picking up my phone at night and scrolling through social media, which is so depressing, I am going back to reading a couple of pages before bed. And I know that sounds so stupid. Like, Chris, you're an educator. What do you mean you're not reading? I don't have time to read. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I am so hungry. I am like, I am so hungry to, to have a couple of hours to read a book. I can't even tell you. Um, I also did start with those couple of pages. I started reading plays again, which I haven't done in a while. And I'm ashamed to say that, but I get caught up in the, Oh my gosh, what do I have to do next? What do I have to do next? What do I have to do next kind of cycle? I'm like, well, wait a second. I can't teach these kids plays from 40 years ago all the time. I have to like, see what's going on in the world. I, I want to bring new voices into the classroom. So yeah, so those are the things I'm doing. I am really trying to get more sleep. Um, I am trying to hydrate um, because I'm really just a cucumber with emotions. And I really am uh, trying to just start small reading. And then, oh, I did forget one other thing. Um, I write, so I am trying to take the sensor back off because I haven't written in so long that I'm starting to write, even just making myself write a paragraph, just a paragraph. It does. It, it, it's probably usually drek, but those are the things I'm trying to do. Um, and then when things get really bad, like if I just feel like, like I've had an awful day, uh, I go with my kids and the dog and we go for a walk, just a walk, even like a quick, walk around the block with the dog who's totally excited about that and now that it's it's so much better now that the weather is is mm -hmm. easing up mm -hmm. so i those are the, those are the things that i that i start to do um oh and also i'm sorry i keep thinking of it uh i make time to play a board game with my kids um yeah and my husband he plays too so we have so many board games it's Wow. Um, but yeah, I, tr I try to do that. Even like, I'm like, I really have to work. No, sit down and play a board game. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, good. You've got, you, you have a plan <laughs> <laughs> and you're working on the plan and that's, that's, that's perfect. I also right? think, 
But yeah, and I also think it's important. And I'm uh, look, it's really hard for me, but to forgive yourself a little bit. Like you have oh, yeah. these goals, you set these goals, right? You're like I'm gonna do this. It's like you know the New Year's resolutions, right? And um, I think that the whole self care thing. <laughs> That was thing. It stresses me out because I'm like, oh my gosh, that's another thing I gotta do. <laughs> I'm so stressed out. I saw this great meme. I saw this great meme of like, um, I don't know, I forgot what it was about like it was like a split thing and it was like um people telling me to, you know, practice self-care and they're all like there's this real caring face. And then um it's like also me thinking about practicing self-care and it's like this guy who's like just in a pool he's drowning he's got papers everywhere and I'm like oh my gosh that's me that's what I feel like um so so I get it like self-care sometimes feels like another thing to put on my list so yeah well I, I don't know it. about you no no what no. are you doing uh, you're doing more than me I mean <laughs> I I am I have zero motivation to do anything. Like I last last Father's Day, my husband and I bought an elliptical for us. That's what we got ourselves for Father's Day. That thing has sat up there for almost a year. You haven't got a Peloton yet? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, no, neither have I. But neither no. have I. Because it will sit there and I will I will just be I'll feel so guilty about all of that money. Well, I'm not in that I don't know. It's mostly spin classes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not my thing. But yeah, like I I I used to be a voracious reader. Like I and 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 I would I would listen to books on tape driving up to Chicago to observe student teachers and when that was taken right. away, like I just I have a book half read beside my my where I sleep on my, my nightstand and I just can't open it back up to keep going. So I think self-care is important and we have to do it and we have to take care of ourselves and it's hard to do and like you said sometimes it just feels like that one more thing Um, oh my gosh sometimes i just want to lay i just want just i just want to lay there just i'm not just gonna lay here and you know what that can be self-care but then when i start laying there unfortunately all the things that i have to do and i mean i really do need to get back to i want to get back to like being able to quiet my mind a little bit like when I was in the Hallison days of graduate school <laughs> and and I could do that, you know, like, oh yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to practice this. Yeah. Right now I, I I'm not in that place. I'm yeah. So uh, I don't know. All we can do well, is try we'll our make best. It through. We will. We're we going to make it through <laughs> and our students will make it through too. But, but I, it, this is definitely an experience. And like graduate school, I will say that I probably will not have learned everything. Oh, I'm sure I'll be a better educator after this. Um, but I think the learning won't sink into me for another year or two, at least. I, mean, I didn't realize everything I learned in graduate school until like, you know, like somewhere in the middle of the second act, like in a show I was doing two years after graduate school. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what that was. <laughs> And that's, that's kind of how I feel about this pandemic. I mean, I really am just trying to like find ways for us to grow, but it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge, it you is. know, it is. And we've got to give ourselves grace and we've got to, amen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to hear one of your very favorite stories, uh, from your career so far. It could be as a teaching artist. It could be from teaching okay. in the classroom, horror story, funny moment, touching moment. <laughs> okay. 
So, um, okay, this is way, this is a long time ago. Actually, oh my gosh. Well, it is still this century though. So yay, yay me. Um, so when I was in Chicago, I, I got a job as a co-artistic director of this um, organization called City at Peace. And they were a group out of New York and they came here and, um, and I got this job along with another colleague of mine. And um, basically it was, um, we auditioned kids from all over the city. Uh, the purpose was to get um, an amalgamation, just a completely heterogeneous group of, you know, uh, socioeconomic status, just cutting across race, gender, sexual orientation, um, you know, religion, you name it. Okay. And um, so we came up with this ensemble. I think we had about 30 teens um, and it was open to teens that were 13 to 19. Um, and we had, it was such a, a mixed group. It was fantastic, but it was also a really, at, at first it was a really volatile group. And the, the, the mission of the organization was to teach conflict resolution through theater. Okay. And our ultimate goal was then to do that. But in order to do that, we, um, we're going to help them, give them the tools to create their own musical. And I remember at the beginning of this whole process, oh my gosh, there were fights that broke out. Um, you know, uh, the kids had issues at home. You know, many of them had issues at home that like, I could never fathom. Like I just, my jaw would drop. Um, and, uh, we fed the kids as well. And because a lot of our kids, they were lucky if they were getting a meal, we, uh, I'm sorry, a meal a day. Um, so there were a lot of issues going on. Um, and we also had some, um, like some, uh, some differently abled students. So we had one who, uh, one student who was autistic, um, and we had another student who had an, uh, a different kind of disability. And so we had, it, it was, wow. But, and, and then of course we had a lot of kids who came and went um, and then they would show up again. So we had that, but they finally did. They did come together and they wrote their own musical. And uh, I remember we did it at the, was it Noble Street? Uh, there's, there's a school there. I think it's Noble's, uh, Noble Charter School. And we did it there. And I'll never forget because these kids had come together so much. I mean, they were like cats and dogs at the very beginning and they had come together so much. So there was, um, there was one scene where they had written a scene about being, uh, like being differently abled, um, especially like, uh, learning disabled, mm -hmm. And I remember somebody in the audience, because the audience was primarily uh, students. We had some school groups and there were some folks who acted out. And there was uh, one of our dis disabled students on the stage was doing his role. And he was so, oh my gosh, he was so good. And he was so proud. Oh my gosh, I'm just, I'm almost crying thinking about it. And they started making fun of him while he was on the stage. And I was backstage and all of a sudden, all of a sudden I see um, there was one other, the, the kids that were out there on stage, um, they kind of improvised a little bit 
And then there was another kid who came out from backstage and he yelled at the kids. He's like, you need to be quiet. Don't you say that about him. And then there were two other kids backstage who were about to go out there and fight these kids. And I said, no, 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 no. It's City at Peace. We can't go out there and fight them. Um, but here's the thing that was so amazing. When that student came backstage, They all just hugged him and loved on him and told him how awesome he was. And they were all so proud of him. And, um, and in that moment, like the, it was the drama backstage. That was the most, like the, I remember that moment. Like I mean, it was almost 20 years ago now. And I think about that, how hard he worked. Cause and you have to understand that this student, he, it was so hard for him. He played the janitor in the, in the school. Um, that was his role. And he had to practice to like, he took the broom and he swept across the stage. And I think he had one line. He had to ask the girl, what's wrong? Are you okay? And he practiced so hard for that. And just to see those kids love on him. And we didn't get in a fight. <laughs> fight did not break out that day. But the impulse was right on, you know, that sense of indignation at injustice. Um, and just the love of of this person that they wouldn't have looked twice at. And maybe they would have been those kids before. And just like, just elevating him and making him feel so special and just accepting him as, as one of everybody else. I mean, just everybody else, because at the very beginning, that was not them. And I would say that if I could do that, if I, I'm lucky if I have a moment like that every, you know, like my goal is once a year would be wonderful. Um, but that's really the moment. Nothing has, nothing has really touched that um, in, in the years that I've been teaching just that one moment. Um, and that was, that was so important. Um, I think the other there was one other moment that um, I thought I, I realized how much I was making a difference. And this is a little bit selfish in a way. Um, but uh, because sometimes, sometimes we can forget when we get caught up in the grind. Right. You know, and it's like, Oh my gosh, I just can't even. And I was doing this. Um, this was for a slightly younger group. They were fifth graders. And uh, it was in a, it was on the West side of Chicago in a church basement. Um, and it was with, uh, like a colleague of mine, she had, uh, she was doing drama workshops with them and she's like, Chris, would you come in and do this, you know, for a certain amount of weeks or whatever? And I was like, yeah. And it was kind of part of an after school program, an after school program that was run out of, uh, a mobile unit, you know, and then, um, they would come into the church basement and then they would have their snack and they would do stuff with me. And I worked with them. And I just remember this one kid, we were getting ready to do our performance. We had invited the parents and everything like this. And this is one of those moments where I have to think back on it and reflect as an educator, because it was just a place of, oh my gosh, I have such a privilege. Um, 
I saw one of like my best actors off to the side crying. And it, it was one of my, my boys. And, um, and I went over and I was like, Hey, what's going on? And he's just like, my mom can't come. And, uh, I said, what? Well, I'm so sorry. And he's like, well, cause there was, there was an addiction issue mm-hmm. and, um, and he was devastated. Like, I didn't know what to do for this child except be there for him and kind of like, I can never replace that. Right. But the point to that second story is that this place was such a place of safety for him and a place of where he got to be a kid and where he got to be with other people that maybe didn't know his backstory and he could just be him himself. And um, because he was always like, you know, he was the jokester and he was, you know, like kind of always fronting and stuff like that. And, you know, as the kids would say, but he, um, that's one of those moments that I realized how important it was to do what we do. Um, so yeah, those are my stories. I always say it's just an awesome responsibility and privilege and honor that we have with what we do and, and yeah. all the different facets of what we do. Right. Um, yeah. Cause you know, and this is one thing that I would say, right. Is that, uh, I feel like sometimes people don't exactly know what we do. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm not I'm not imagining this. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> because because I think people, you know, remember those memes that were out like what I do or what my mom thinks uh-huh. I do, what my right, what I actually do, right? Yeah. I mean because I don't think there is a real visceral understanding of, first of all, all of the aspects, the interdisciplinary aspects that go into creating theater. Um, I think that while I think theater should be accessible to everybody, I also think in some way, I'm like, well, yeah, but I, I, we, we are theater artists, theater educators, we are the experts. Um, So that's important to validate that expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're dealing with emotions, we're dealing with, um, we're dealing with literature, we're dealing with um, building things, we're dealing with design, we're dealing with visual arts, we're dealing with so mental and, and spiritual and emotional health. We're dealing with so many of these things. But I, I, sometimes I feel like people are like, oh, yeah, um, you're an actor. Hey, can you act something for me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Not all what it is. I wrote but... a whole dissertation about that. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, you actually could write a dissertation on that. I, I did. <laughs> I did. So, That's what I mean. <laughs> um, but no, one of my favorite moments, uh, speaking specifically of that, and then we'll we'll get to those final two questions here. I yeah yeah. It, I was on an uh, our we had an, an IB program at my at the school I was teaching at and. Um, Mm -hmm. we, all the IB teachers would, would meet every quarter to kind of plan a a big project that was interdisciplinary and and crossed all the things. And, and they were, I'm, I'm a listener 
I, in groups, I'm, I'm a listener and I'm absorbing all the time. I'm not the one who's always talking and throwing things out, but when I've got something to say, I'll say it, but otherwise I'm, I'm absorbing. And they were talking about doing something with, with like world war two and, and the world wars and, and really focusing on that. And one of the English teachers who I, I adore the man so much, but he, he turned to me and just looking down his nose at me and he said, well, what are you going to contribute to this? I said, okay. And I said, well, we're going to do a, a unit on Bertolt Brecht and we're going to study epic theater, which is the alienation effect. And, and we're going to incorporate things from the war and, and things from literature that we're, we're dealing with this. And then we're going to look up the science over here. And then, you know, and he was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. I, yeah, that I, I feel you on that because it's, uh, that, that's a, that's a big struggle. And I, and I wonder if, I mean, because I, I do feel, and this is a larger question, but this whole idea of, well, what, what value do, do the arts have in education? But I would say that, you know, here's the thing. When we ask that question about what the value is in education, it's really just mirroring the question of what value does art have in society? Mm-hmm. You know, because it just trickles down. Um, and of course, so that's and, and that's how certain things are funded, right? Um, <laughs> if society deems them valuable, and that's a whole other conversation, um, in, in a kind of a monetary capitalist kind of way like um as some sort of commodity then then that's what we're going to put in our education as well Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and that becomes a little transactional um but that's a whole other other conversation (laughs) (laughs) well my final two questions are the ones that i ask everybody on the show um and the first one is what is a resource that you are currently using or have used that is a must-have for theater teachers okay i have a couple I have a couple. Um, okay, this is this is my old standard. Okay, my old standard is truth in comedy, and this is the one with uh, from. Um, it used to be Improv Olympic, then it was I O, and now it's not anymore. Anyway, uh, Del Close and Sharna Halpern uh, wrote this with uh, Kim Howard Johnson, who also um, he wrote a lot of the Monty Python um, like biography stuff. Um, but anyway. I love this book because I also not only I mean Sharna loves to like tell the stories about yeah Mike Myers yeah okay fine but also there are a lot of really practical things these to me this this is like an improv must have it's the yes and it's the basic of the long form improv and I I love just philosophically I love this so this keeps me sane so that's like a standard something I just started diving into now remember those page or two so I haven't dived into this too much um my colleague uh Jim Strife again he gave this to me as a gift it's Shakespeare in a divided America so um I am super excited this is basically about how um you know politically um how Shakespeare is being framed um, how it can be framed, how it might be framed, and how it is being framed, and how it's being used, um, and also how we can use it to reframe um, political conversations, which is, we just talked about some of that. Um, there are some online resources that I did want to share, because I, honestly, I, th- this, this is getting me through it. Um, 
So I do, wait, hold on. I just want to wait. I want to get these right. So I'm going to be really super honest with you. Um, usually theater educators are a small department. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're an English teacher and a theater teacher. I think at most usually maybe high schools are lucky if they have two theater teachers, like a TD and a, like in another theater mm -hmm. teacher. Um, so, um, I sometimes feel very alone. Not that I mean, my fine arts colleagues are awesome, but it's just me. Mm -hmm. um for theater and, and and in my district it's just me basically i'm the only that i know of certified theater person um so i'm the only i don't have a lot of colleagues to coll collaborate with like that um so uh when i started teaching the tech classes uh and you know i've been trained as an actor and mostly my professional life was please don't touch that that was my professional life but um i did have you know some tech training but on Facebook, I have discovered this really great resource of uh, tech theater professionals. It's just called Technical Theater Educators. It's a Facebook page. And seriously, I will go on, if I have a question, I'll be like, hey guys, um, do you know um, how I might be able to fix this particular lighting instrument or go about maybe building this particular? And literally within five minutes, I have like 20 answers from a higher ed, uh, professors and instructors and other secondary ed folks. So it's been a really great tool just, just to be able to like send a question out into the universe and get legit qualified answers. Okay. Um, I've also been checking out um, the BYU, the Brigham Young University theater lessons and units, like yep. just in a pinch. Okay. You probably know about those, but in a pinch, they work. Um, I've also been seeing, um, I've been getting some good stuff from the Educational Theater Association, just their, their blasts. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a member, so like just getting their blasts. And it just so happened that they sent me a whole bunch of um, uh, Theater of the Oppressed stuff this week, which was just serendipitous. It was just <laughs> weird. Um, and then for my tech classes, I don't know if you know about this, but I love teaching lighting. Uh, but the virtual environment's been really tough. And so it's not perfect, but I don't know if you've seen Matt Kaiser's Light Lab online. Um, it's scenicandlighting.com. And his name is Matt Kaiser, K-I-Z-E-R. And he's a lighting designer and he's got a virtual lighting lab online. And my final question is, what are your parting words of wisdom for new theater teachers entering the field or that veteran teacher needing an encouraging word right now? Ah, yes, I did think about this. Um, so <clears throat> I think what I would advise teachers is, and this is a temptation, um, especially the new teachers, I would say, especially with theater teachers, um, be honest, be truthful. We're always talking about like being, you know, living truthfully in imaginary circumstances. Well, live it um, in the real circumstances. Um and, and, you know, kind of because my students often come in and say, oh, theater, it means you're good at lying. Right. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm the worst liar ever. As a matter of fact, it's about telling the truth. So I really kind of believe in um, just being truthful. Uh, sometimes when things go sideways, have a good sense of humor about it and be like, wow, uh, yeah, that didn't exactly work. Um, if you make a mistake. Model that honesty. 
own up to it and be vulnerable. Um, and even ask the students, hey, can you help? Um, I had actually that happened to me today. I was working on the light board with one of my tech two students and, um, and he wanted to do something. I was like, you know what? I don't know if we can do that. Um, let me look again and see if we can do that. And meanwhile, he's like, Hey, why don't we just try this? And I was like, okay, yeah, well, let's see what will happen. It's not like you're going to break it. And he discovered something new. And I was like, oh my gosh, thank you for showing that to me. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. I learned something today. Um, so, you know, allowing them to, to teach you some stuff because they're going to teach you stuff every day. And then the other thing that I would say is that um, if something unexpected happens or something goes off the rails, um, it really is okay to laugh at it. Uh, you know, if, a, if a, a project is a disaster and it doesn't come out the way you want it, be like, well, huh, that didn't come out how I thought it would. Um, you know, and you can always turn it into a teaching moment, but you know, I think the students really, no matter what, they just appreciate you being real and being honest with them. So, so yeah, you don't always have to act like everything's great. Although there's a lot of pressure to do that. Um, I feel that even, and I think that that's why sometimes my students see me as like, oh my gosh, Mrs. Heckman's so energetic, but sometimes Mrs. Heckman is putting on a happy face and there's so much going on. Um, I would also say that um, for the, the beginning teachers, um, this is a transition that I even experienced going from higher ed into the high school classroom that you're gonna have so many tabs open in your head. Hmm. Um, you are gonna be multitasking because you know you have to have like these octopus-like antennae um, that, you know, you're monitoring so many different things in a classroom at once. And when you're in a theater classroom, um, whether you're in a tech theater classroom where you have sharp pointy things um, that can cut people's fingers off, or if you're also trying to, you have 20 to 35 kids in your class that have tender emotions and they have traumatic experiences and you have to try to like keep a lever on all of that stuff. Meanwhile, you also have to remember all of your accommodations. And oh, by the way, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get an evaluation today. And oh, wait, but wait, did did you hand that thing out to that other person? And oh, wait, this person was absent yesterday. What do they need? And then yeah, so you're gonna have so many tabs open. And yeah, you're gonna drop some balls. And um, it's gonna be okay. You just have to forgive yourself. But I think that would be the biggest transition that I had from higher ed into high school was just that, like, oh, my gosh, trying to keep track of about an eight lane highway mm -hmm. all at once. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And, Chris, thank you so much for joining me and, and just sharing your stories and your experiences. I'm I'm so glad I, I was finally able to get you on here and I definitely have to have you back because I know you've got more stories you can share. So. Oh my gosh, I do. And I mean, you know, I am looking forward to talking, you know, anytime you want me to come on, I'm looking forward to talking to you about a range of different things, but I will be honest, I got to get through COVID year. Yep. Let's just get through it. Let's just get through it. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both, right? <laughs> well, thank All you right. so yeah, much. Thank you so much.
And, uh, and, and thank, thank you for you. what you're doing for your students too. I don't, I know you probably don't hear that enough. So thank you. Um, you're doing amazing work and I, they may not ever tell you and parents may not tell you, but you are and, and what you're doing matters. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you for, for training, you know, the reinforcements, <laughs> the reinforcements, <laughs> they're coming. So thank you so much. It was just a pleasure anytime. I would love to come on and chat. Awesome. And curtain. That's a wrap for this week's episode of Fed Talks Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so already, please find Fed Talks on your favorite podcast provider and subscribe to the show so it automatically shows up in your podcast app each week. Rate us by leaving some stars, review us by saying what you love about the show, and most importantly, share the podcast with those theater educators in your life. Find us on all your favorite social media. We're on Twitter at Theater Ed Talks. Fed Talks on Facebook and Fed Talks Podcast on Instagram. Visit our website at www.fedtalks.com for all our past episodes and resource lists from the guests you've met on the show. And email me directly by emailing fedtalkspodcast at gmail.com. I love to hear your feedback, recommendations for guests on the show, or if you just want to be a guest yourself. Thank you, Joel Hamlin and Joshua Schuster, for the use of your original music that we hear on the show. And thank you for listening and for all you do for your students. I'm Jimmy Chrisman. Join me next week for another great interview. Have a great week.